Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Cleeside Escape. I'm Christian Lee. Really excited to bring you this interview today with my good friend Connor Wilson. Joe Burchi hopped on the call as well. We interviewed Connor about his recent move to New York, picked up his bags in Chicago, and took a new job in the Bake Apple. So props to him. We're excited for him and got a little glimpse into his thought process on that one. Additionally, we talked to him about his experience writing mystery novels. He currently has one out and is writing another. If you listen to this and you're interested in reading the book, can't recommend it enough, reach out to me or reach out to Connor directly. Anyways, we wrapped up with some NBA talk as well, talking about my team, the Cavs, and their team, the Bulls. So, interesting pod here today. Encourage you to stick around. All right, welcome back to the Cleeside Escape. Here with Joe Birchie and Connor Wilson. What's up, guys? What's up, Clee? Glad to be back. Glad to be back and glad that I uh, I, I now know the name of your podcast and I'm feeling better that? than ever. Wait, Clee, can you say it one more time? Just because I, Clee. The, the Cleeside Estate. Oh, yeah. The Cleeside Estate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking to put, I'm looking to put Birchie's brain in a pretzel here. Um, <laughs> Joe, uh, so you 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 know, obviously you were looking out for the teams tonight, and you uh, pushed back the podcast. Uh, what were you doing, and what did you shoot? Um, so, <laughs> I uh, my my work schedule has opened up, and I'm starting earlier. And today I got off work at four o'clock. So Thursdays is um, driving range hit off grass, and so obviously I took uh, took advantage of getting to hit off the grass. And I noticed that nobody plays at this golf course every time I go. It's a ghost town, but they have really nice greens. So I went up to the woman and I asked Love her. Love a good green. I was like, can I play? And she's like, yeah, just hop on for free. So, I, so I free golf Thursday night, 72 degrees in Arizona. Oh, oh Literally, it was, it, it was freaking, it was unreal. Yeah. Virtue and, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to break down Connor's life here. You're the, you're, you're filling in, in the, in the co-interviewer space today. Um, but I do want to hear what, what is this a permanent thing out in Arizona? How how much longer are you going to be out there? I mean, you're it just is soaking not. out the sun. So I so it's not permanent. We are about to extend our contract through March, and it'll likely be over uh, around March or April. So as far as timing goes, we started in November um, and are leaving around March, which is golf season, and it's the only time where Phoenix is actually habitable. So, I I would say I, I've gotten very lucky. So to say you've you've been the luckiest man alive this past five months, Joe Bershey. You've been golfing it up. Yes, in that sense, uh, I haven't been playing a lot of golf. This was the first time I played in the last month and a half, which was which was nice. But um, I, I would say it's been nice here. But uh, I miss like having like a normal routine. Yeah, uh, and like I don't know anyone out here, so that kind of sucks. But uh, I made friends with uh, some random workers at the golf course, so it's nice. all good. Nice, but um, probably around April, May, I'll, I'll transition back to Chicago. Well, Joe, it'll be good to have you around since Wilson Judas us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, ma- major Judas coward. I'm a coward. <laughs> I'm a coward. <laughs> um, so before we get into Connor and his big big move, oh yeah. Let's talk about the Cavs versus Bulls last night. My team versus your, your teams. Uh, one seed in the East versus four seed, I believe it was. Yeah. So, so Bertie, let me take this one off the rip, okay? I went to every Bulls game home and away last week. 
And let me <laughs> saw four <laughs> losses in a row. And let me tell you something. I got. Can I say the f word on this show? Yeah, why not? Okay, I got fucked. We had a thirty point blowout <laughs> against the Warriors. We had a Celtics heartbreaker, and then we had another word that I won't say. We had the Nets. Okay, we did win by fifty against the Pistons, but they're the worst team I've ever laid eyes on. Like yeah. half the AAU teams I've seen would. I mean, they they'd keep it close against the Pistons. That's how bad they are. And, like, I'm watching these Bulls, and I, I'm getting berated by the fans around me because, you know, we're getting our ass handed to us. But at the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, we're still pretty good. So, like, I fall back on that. But then today, I see the news that Lonzo needs knee surgery, and now it's pain forever again. But, you know, that's my well, take. Wilson, let me add on to that. Yeah. Um, you saw that, and the only two – so then in between that, two weeks ago, I saw Bulls at Mavs, close game tied going to the fourth quarter and the Mavs put on a three-point clinic I think they shot like they shot like like eight for 12 threes in the fourth quarter alone and just absolutely were just raining threes on us and then the only other Bulls game I've been to this year was with Wilson yeah. we get freaking wrecked by the Shalocked. so I, we, need to, we need to stay away from every Bulls yeah. game from I'm not year. going to any more Bulls games I, had, I was I, I will respectfully decline I don't care who we're playing that's a lie. That's a lie. But I like to think that I won't go in order to get them a win. That's insane. That, that I mean, that's going to be the only four game losing streak that happened. You picked those four games to go to consecutively. Yeah. It wasn't the best. I sat next to McClintock, so that was oh, that, was, that, 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 <laughs> no, that hurt extra bad. He was fine about it, but the other Celtics fans are not are not the cheeriest people, especially <laughs> considering the Pats lost to the Bills that night. They decided to take it out on the yeah. Uh, Chicago Bulls fans sitting to the right. <laughs> um, so you said Lonzo's Lonzo's down. Are we feeling a lot more pessimistic after that and this past week? No, because it's only six weeks. He has he has a little meniscus. He doesn't have any of the uh, you know Bulls point guards in the past have been um, susceptible to those kind of knee injuries. That's yes. all I'll say. So um, six weeks is fine as long as it doesn't turn into anything else. I think. Just get me to the playoffs for the love of God, and then, you know, we'll roll the dice. Birchie, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm okay. I don't see us uh, being great this year in the playoffs. What I do see, though, is yeah. freaking uh, our supporting stat, our supporting role players are awesome. Io DeSumo in that yeah. game last night was freaking awesome shooting the Beast. ball, and he's, he's just awesome on defense, too. He's so sick. And so if this is a developmental year, I'm cool with that. Um, I'm with you, Birchie. So, and, I, and the really, I, I don't – I don't think we're we like are anywhere near a championship roster. I think we're like one major piece away. But yeah. uh, I think if the Bulls can put together two or three, you know, good seasons, put us in position to attract like a good free agent. The Bulls have not been a, a position to attract like any good free agents for like the last like eight years. I don't even yeah. know, maybe longer than that. But I mean, who, Wilson, who was the last good free agent the Bulls signed? The black German from Alaska, Carlos Boozer. <laughs> Actually, he was a free, yeah. No, he was a free agent. I don't know. I mean, he was good at the time. He honestly, did we get Demar via free agent, or did we? No, I think uh, we got a free agency. Yeah. Okay, so Lamar. Oh, so okay, so Demar, Demar. Yeah, honestly, yeah. But like, I'm trying to think. It doesn't of sound as good as the black German, German from, from Alaska. Before, yeah. No, how Coach K found that man in Juno. <laughs> I, w- I have no idea. I mean, that that alone is Hall of Fame right there. <laughs> Finding Carlos Boozer. His greatest uh, act. Coach K, I don't care what his Wikipedia say- page says about championships. 
he found a black German in Alaska <laughs> and brought him to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my Cavs, you know, they, they took two huge blows at point guard between Sexton and Rubio, and they still looked really good beyond it um, and totally the surprise of the year, right? But uh, I don't know. Unless, unless Rondo can play really meaningful roles at backup point guard, uh, I think it'll be a great season that probably – ends in a first round exit but you know i'm hopeful i think we're still pretty sick i really like the core so that could be a battle for years to come and clay the thing is like you guys were expected to be to be buns and you're like total buns right you're total buns and you're you're in the heat of it which is all you can ask for right yeah i mean the the amount of dunks like as as just a viewer the amount of just ferocious dunks per night is off the charts so i definitely enjoy that well, I think we can credit a good chunk of the Cavs' success to the luck we had when I was with you last week, Clee, when we walked by Big Z. I mean, that's true. That's just oh. like a summary of the season. But actually, I don't know if you heard about this. But I did not hear about this. I walked by the tallest man I've ever seen in my life a couple of yeah. days ago. Big Z. Yeah. So essentially, dog. Joe, as as you know, post back surgery, I probably have taken upwards of three hundred. Is that dramatic? I've probably taken around 300 walks. Yeah, actually, easily, easily, um, around 300 walks in my neighborhood. I've seen Z a couple to, on a couple occasions, but I've never been on a walk when Z was on a walk. And of course, Connor's in town, probably oh. the biggest basketball fan I know, and we walked past Z. So a pretty epic moment. Said hi. Uh, not much else, but yeah, we we <laughs> saw Z. <laughs> Damn, that's hype. Yeah. Um. So. Going into our interview of Connor, I want to talk about two big things. First, Connor, I want to talk about your book that you wrote. So being the good friend that I am, you uh, wrote a book about a year and a half ago, asked me to read it, and I just got around to it. Um, it's called Modus Operandi, correct? So Modus Operandi um, is the title. And for those who are not well-versed in Latin, like me and O'Hara, um, <laughs> um, it's uh, like M.O., like when you say somebody's M.O., that's okay. You know, what it is in latin gotcha. but the general gist of this you know the too long didn't read blur version of this is a man who does not like his job comes home from work and in this high rise he looks out and sees a murder unfold that no one else sees and by a unique set of circumstances it ends up becoming more complicated and nuanced that what he saw is actually intertwined with his life and that's kind of the general premise of it. And over the course of, you know, X pages, you, you see how. So, you know, that's, that's what, um, that's, what, that's the breakdown. Yeah, dude, I, I really enjoyed the book. Bertie, have you got the chance to read it by chance? By chance. Uh, I have read it. Um, Bertie has. Uh, I will say, I was a big fan. Um, and um, I, I've never met somebody or talked to somebody who's written a book. But knowing that Connor wrote it, I could see right away that Connor wrote it based on the actual <laughs> language that's used in the book and the actual dialogue that happens between the characters. It's like little mini Connors within the book talking <laughs> to each other. <laughs> Actually, the thing is, the thing is, I don't have any perspective on that yet. I can totally see what you mean. Just like, in a no good way, knew. obviously. But. No, no, but also probably in just a funny way. Because yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. So, Bertie, that's funny you say that because there were some things I jotted down when I was uh, when I was going through it, like some very notable pieces of Connor in that book. Uh, the first <laughs> one was just the 
incredible encyclopedic kind of <laughs> geography of Chicago that was interwoven into the story. Um, obviously, Connor was known for screaming different bus stops. Is that accurate, Connor? You know, at some point, it, yeah, that that probably, I mean, that definitely occurred, yes. yes. And I can say that um, the, the inspiration wasn't bus stops, per Excuse se. Me. Yeah. No, 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 no you're, you're correct. It was bus stops that I was yelling. However, the inspiration with this is I wanted to find a good, tall residential building for the scene and then, mm-hmm. you know, figure it out from there. So that was kind of my... Um, not my drop zone, my ground zero was just a good residential building. And we worked out from there. Yeah. I liked, um, oh yes, yes. The, the building in question. Okay. No, yeah. I um, yeah. I did like a couple of references to like bad knees, um, oh, yeah. done, <laughs> as yeah. well as, uh, <laughs> the meditation, uh, kind of aspects everything. of the characters. The thing is you would knowing, like, I can just say this with, you know, I'm pretty confident that knowing me, you're able to tell where a lot of these things came from uh-huh. as the average person would not. So it's kind of actually funny. Like I've always wondered that too. So that's a question. Um, yeah. You know, you write this book. It's yeah. almost like I've had a similar thing with doing a podcast, right? Where you're yeah. like, yeah. you're like, all right, now I got to give it to people. And like yeah. even the people that you, you're almost a little bit more self-conscious of the people yeah. you know. Yes, um, so yes. how was that like distributing the book and how have you, how have you done that primarily? And then what has that been like, like emotionally in terms of like, are they going to like it or yeah, um, I stuff think, like that? I think it's, um, it's interesting because there's some themes that, you know, you think about on the daily basis, but when you put them into writing, it's like, Whoa, that was in my brain. Yeah. And, um, I think when you distribute that, it like, and I think you, you do become a little vulnerable in the sense of, this only came from one person. Like the words that are you're reading didn't like, you can put a face to it, which means they thought it, which means they can associate what you wrote on the page with things that you think about. Right. And I think that that can be a little, not terrifying. That's way too strong of a word, but a little like um, nervous because you don't know how people, even if you know you have a really good product, it still is like, there's a lot of emotion in the characters and stuff. And that came from, you know, person x's brain so i think right, yeah when i was distributing that like i was gonna give it to all my friends but um you know like family members like my mom still hasn't read it not that i'm opposed to showing her it that's yeah there. but like it's just um it's just different i don't know like i don't know I, I there's no real way to describe it but if you know what i mean like christian with your podcast i'm sure you can relate to this it's like the product came from somewhere and it, it, it's just it's just an interesting feel when you're you're sharing that with people because Definitely. it's like a yeah i would agree i was almost like kind of laughing along with you like yeah like with some of the stuff i was like i give you props for saying that because it like made for you know a good story or something but it also yeah. had your fingerprints on it which made it yeah. like funny as your friend yeah um, no, i think that's important yeah so you think we'll see another one and so the, the primary form the distribution that i got was like just a google doc because that's still the case yeah. Yeah, um, well, there. Let, let, let's take this one thing at a time. Yes, yeah. you will see another one. Nice. This one will be probably, I think, ideally, that's my big two, 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 three times as long. Okay. Um, it's a work in progress. Like I'm, I'm currently, you know, coming up with different things that I want to include in it. But it's going to take more time because I want this one to be, you know, whether or not, and, and, you know, the world is the judge on this, whether or not the first one was good. I, think I thought this it was one good, can man. Be, the, uh, I appreciate that. 
but I think that this one can be even better based off of what I learned just about like my writing style. So this one's going to just take more time, but yes, you can expect it. And I think that, you know, whether or not this ever comes to fruition is one thing, but I think it'll be interesting to go through the process of seeing it printed and just getting that feeling, whether or not it's ever distributed, published. That's a, that's a whole nother world of questions, but just rather than having it in a PDF form, at least having a couple copies printed, I think will be something that is just cool to have. Like, I don't yeah. know. So I think that to some maybe limited, maybe not so much extent, I would like to have it printed and then, you know, cover art and whole other thing or, or important themes that I would like to explore. So I don't know. I kind of, I'm getting more into the process on this one just because I think it'll be cool. Nice. Um, and yeah. so that process entails, like you said, two, three times more length, but also I'm sure mm -hmm. it entails a lot more details with your story. So one thing that yes. I was really impressed yes. with was just how you were able to juggle all those details and what was like a kind of a mystery format and all those, mm -hmm. all those facts and details really lined up nicely. There wasn't any like big hole of like, Oh, this kid hasn't written a book before. Yeah. That's, I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Um, thank you. And so do you um, think that that mystery theme and genre, is that something you, you like and will continue to pursue? Love it. And I actually, I think that is by far the, 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 the domineering and predominant genre of like movies I watch, books I read, mm -hmm. which I think is like, you know, I guess in a sense made its way into like my psyche when I go through these things. Um, so it's definitely the genre I enjoy as a viewer, as an audience, as a reader going through the most. And in turn, that's the most that I enjoy writing. So I think that's definitely something I'll be pursuing in the future. I think there's other angles that I could like, I can make it more comedic. I think that'd be something that you could do like, and obviously not this, but like a scary movie type deal where it's more jokes than serious. But I think for now, I kind of like the serious angle of it because I think it's kind of more, I don't know, exhilarating to write and read because it's a little bit more, I don't know, serious, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the jumbled nature of things is something that at least how I began writing this is you just, and this, this is just the truth. You just start writing without knowing where you're going and you might start at the end. You may start at the middle or you may just start at the beginning and craft it that way, but everything comes together if you just begin. Mm -hmm. And if you know me for better or for worse, and I'm sure like, this is very evident from like my friends reading it or whatever is my mind. A lot of the times in real life is all over the place. So then <laughs> you get, you get a product that has a lot of different pieces, but then when you are actually trying to make it come together, it can come together and it can connect. But I think that one of the things that is good um, about having a bunch of shit swirling around is that you're able to kind of craft a more um, like rich, narrative and i think that's something that a lot of authors are really good at and something that i would like to improve upon greatly but i think it's a good start because it was really fun to kind of craft it together as 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 i went along in the writing process yeah it's interesting you say that too i i actually i'm surprised that you i mean i'm sure you had some kind of general mm -hmm. idea but i'm surprised to hear you say that it was just kind of a case of like going out and getting some of it done and then mm -hmm sort of touch and base because it, it really feel like detail wise i was super impressed by it um Thank just you. the way that everything clicked so yeah. that's that's really cool to hear you say that it Thank was uh, yeah i mean a case I of figuring it out i had no idea how i was gonna end it when i started it which almost was to the point of like should i just quit it but it doesn't it just it can come together i think that's actually better i think if you're gonna start something out like from a creative aspect like words and paper or whatever i think that's in some cases unless you have like a really kick-ass ending or whatever 
I think in some ways it's almost better because you can just come up with more exciting shit on the fly as you get, you know, down and take a deep dive. And I don't know. I think it's, I think it can be in some ways better that way. If you're just going to uh, freelance and stuff. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. As somebody who's never thought about writing, writing a book that definitely <laughs> checks out to me. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to take a, pull a quote here. Um, yeah. Leaning back, and this is talking about your main character, Henry, here. Leaning back, running his hands through his uh, formerly combed hair. Is that? Oh, yeah, formerly combed. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, He vetted the validity of the impulse that had just popped into his brain. He couldn't shake his spontaneous notion to quit his job. (laughs) (laughs) The idea only gained traction as he replayed the events of the past week, culminating with his most recent conversation with Natalie. No matter what he did, he couldn't shake the idea of quitting. (laughs) <laughs> so connor big life news for you lately this good book transition written... <laughs> christian oh that's funny it's funny how uh what's the expression art imitates reality or whatever yeah art yeah, imitates so life right i yeah art imitates life so i um i'm something of a psychic my you know i predicted this <laughs> so you know breaking news i quit my job um uh about a month ago um uh, it was it's pretty nerve wracking for all those people who quit a job three months into starting. Um, <laughs> it can catch your coworkers a little off guard, but no, and I'll say because my, my coworkers are great and, and my boss in particular took it very well, but um, I don't think it was impulsive. It was not impulsive. Um, no. So yeah, you've, so to, yeah. to kind of get a overall theme on what I like to do with the, like the interviews yeah, thus far. Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed a few of my friends who are doing some cool things. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether that be our friend Kenta teaching fifth graders yeah. with He's, really no prior teaching experience. To he's the light his, of the world. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. To his past summer. But um, so this was this was something that caught my eye because I'm like, oh, damn, like I have a friend who, you know, just made a big career yeah. move very early on. So that was that was what I really wanted to zero in on here and kind of yeah. get into your thought process. And yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it, I told you, like, I really like what you're doing. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and so just to start off with it, like I've talked to a few people who maybe they're like a few months on the job. And I know that mm-hmm. the state of like office culture and stuff right now is making yeah. everyone like kind of bummed out, not as into their job, but yeah. yeah. For you, what was, what got you to a point where, doubts in your head were something that you like grabbed onto and said like yeah this is legitimate like this isn't just growing pains and like why did you listen to yourself yeah I think that that's a really good question I think it can apply to a lot of different things and it comes down uh, let me you know let me start from the top I knew I had a feeling even before I started the work itself that maybe there's a better path out there for me and that may sound crazy because you came in biased and that's why you left I disagree. I think a lot of people, a lot of now 22 year olds, before they're going into their senior year, they had an internship. And I think a lot of these internships were either and or truncated and modified in a, in a way that maybe didn't make them an accurate representation of the work they were getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, while it was a huge benefit to have one at all, and, you know, super grateful for that, because I know a bunch of people just got canceled. I think in some senses, depending on the work you were doing, and depending on the scenario you were in, it could have been a disadvantage because like I said, it wasn't exactly, um, you know, um, you know, a picture perfect idea of what you were getting into at work. So I think that may have been the sense of what I did initially. I think that what I did in my internship was, um, 
a little bit different than the work I was getting into and the work that I was being pitched that I was doing was different than what I would hope to have been doing, which maybe is me being an idiot. And that's very, very, very valid. But I think I had a hunch in me the whole time that upon starting this, that I would want to do something else. But in the time between my internship and tip off, um, I think I wanted to give it a try and not, you know, rescind on an offer or try another route, even though there was always in the back of my head. And then what, upon, you know, commencing the job, um, you know, those feelings were kind of reinforced. Um, so it, I guess that's a long way way of saying I knew immediately, if not before, which it, maybe it was dumb that I didn't do anything about that. But I don't know if it was. I think it's. I would. I would come yeah. to your defense because I think, and we we yeah. touched on it when you uh, came out to Cleveland recently. But yeah, I think um, what you're pointing out is a phenomenon that I probably think a lot of kids our age actually went through. Yeah. And there's not much better to go off of. You know, like you said, you yeah. had to be grateful for what what you got. But COVID just put us in a spot where the internships that are normally such a good proxy for the job you're going to end up doing um, maybe looked a little bit different. And I can't say like, can't say that for everyone. I think the the one that I did the past summer, like probably will be pretty, pretty spot on for what I'll be doing. But um, yeah, those, that kind of feeling doubt, uh, Mm -hmm. I think is totally reasonable and also just like a product of the time. So yeah. um, Yeah. No, I, I would totally second that clearly. I think, I think it's totally ad hoc case by case basis. And I think in terms of like your experience and how applicable that is to the real work you'll be getting into upon, you know, starting full time. Um, And I think that if you also just a general rule of thumb, and I, I really do believe this, like the gut feeling you have, not like on impulse, like any given day, your feelings can fluctuate. But if you feel Mm -hmm. something for like a week, a month or multiple months up to a year, your body's telling you something like your brain knows something your like you know your your subconscious knows something your conscious doesn't or something along yeah. those lines and i think that pretty much every single time um you make the right decision by following that i think there's actually like a good steve jobs quote about how um you know you already know what you want to do so by you know the virtue of just thinking about it too much you're trying to convince yourself of something your body's already sold like your brain on so um I think that that's something that is good to follow. You know, you don't want to be impulsive, but I think I know actually that I made the right decision, but it just came, took a while for me to come around to that. Yeah. So it's that recognition step. We just talked about that, but then beyond that, how do you start looking for a new job? What was your thought process in terms of how you wanted to like adventure onto that new job? And then what were some things that like influenced you um, in how you went about that? I think, a couple of the big things like I wanted to switch to a job that I thought would better prepare me for whatever I wanted to get into in the future. So something that was probably more intensive. So more sorry, my I should also, yeah. mention, so what, what was the job you were doing versus what you're going to do now? Yeah. So for those of you not familiar in the world of finance in general, what I was doing and this group was a bit of a hybrid model, but in general, what it was, was more uh, corporate debt related. So corporate banking kind of investment grade debt. That is what I was coming from. What I'm going into is leveraged finance, which is more risky debt, you know, leveraged buyout world of that type of work, still debt. Um, And I think that that is one, more exciting because it's more transactional, less, you know, cookie cutter. And two, um, 
more developmental, you're able to kind of gain uh, a skill set that uh, is probably more valuable for what you want to get into in the future, depending on whatever you want to get into in the future, if it is in that realm of finance. So that's the general switch. But while that was a key consideration, just as equal, at least for me, of a consideration was the fact that I wanted like a cohort of, uh, I guess, junior bankers, junior analysts to um, kind of hang out with, it's not the right word, but to just work with. In mm-hmm. where I worked, um, large company, but the Chicago office where I was um, working out of only had, actually, I was the only first year analyst in that office, wow. which there were a couple other 20 somethings but when and all due respect a 40 year old who has two kids and is talking about daycare i can't really relate to that (laughs) and while they're awesome people i think that over time and by over time i mean literally 12 weeks you can uh you can literally get a sense of you know you want to hang out with people your own age and your own lifestyle um and where i'm going to uh there's like 80 or 90, even maybe even a hundred people my age that, um, that I'll be able to have the opportunity with. So being able to be like socially comfortable in your job, I think is a hugely underrated thing, especially if you're going to be in the office four to five days a week, like you people predominantly are in the finance industry, um, even post COVID. So I think that that's something that rose in importance and, and, and being valuable to me as I hit the desk. Um, and then I guess a third consideration like just tertiary, not, I mean, however you want to view it is that I wanted to, even though I'm from the suburbs and grew up in the Midwest my whole life, I wanted to try, um, if I was going to do finance, at least in the meantime, the hub of all that in the U S which is New York city. So I think that while I am in my early twenties and while I have nothing holding me back, I think that I want to try that. And while ultimately I don't think I'll live there my whole life or even, you know, however long a period that may be, I think it's the next best move for me, given that that is what I was transitioning into. So it was kind of a perfect shitstorm or whirlwind or windfall, whatever you want to view it. Um, it happened to me all very quickly. Yeah, um, it's super exciting for us, and even to hear your your reasoning as you mentioned there. Um, yeah, like I think we're all really excited for you, as opposed to oh god, Connor just lost his mind or something like that. <laughs> so um, which I could have, which I could have. That's always on the table. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so talk about the process then of actually going out and searching for that job while you're working at another job. And like, did you feel like secretive about it? Did you feel any sense of guilt? Did you have to like brush that off? What was that like? You can't feel guilt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think with these things, you're best served just serving your own interests and realizing that that's what everyone else is doing anyway. So mm-hmm. screw it. Um, and the sooner you come to that realization, the, the easier these seemingly tough decisions become. Being secretive was hard, but more so than being hard, it was exhausting. Because if you start yeah. work at 8 a.m. and you want to interview at 6.30 a.m. and you're on Central and they're in Eastern or you want to stay late or whatever, it can just be even longer days than what you're already accustomed to be doing. Um, and so the quicker that process wraps up and you you know, you know get these offers or these opportunities, <laughs> the better it is for you know, your mental and physical well-being. So that kind of adds to the incentive of wanting to get it done. But I think the secretive thing is, is definitely tough because you don't want to, you, and you can't like sacrifice the quality of work at your current job, but at the yeah. same time, you know what the next step is going to be. And so you kind of have to live in two worlds with two different pursuits. And I don't think that that's sustainable. I think for a short period of time, you can do it. 
Um, and, you know, very thankfully this worked out for me in a short period of time. So, but yeah, I think that that is probably the toughest part, devoting yourself to kind of these, these two um, pursuits. Yeah, that definitely checks out. And I mean, as, as you mentioned, like, I'm sure that having less big bond, like really strong bonds with kids your age at work probably made yeah. that a little bit less um, daunting. Maybe. A little bit less of a, tr- it made it easier knowing what you were going to, even though the leaving was hard and always is if you like the people you work with, which I did. Um, I think that that transition is difficult, um, you know, regardless of time stayed. But I think if you, if you focus on what your the whole motive and the whole like impetus for why you're leaving, then it makes it easier because you know you're going to something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so to cap that off, what was that yeah. like breaking the news? Did you feel like, was it, yeah. was it tough, but excited or how, what were your emotions? Did you feel like you made a big move? Very lucky because, um, well, a couple of reasons. One, a lot of people took off for like the one to two weeks before new year's, which is when I got this offer. So I was able to not see my coworkers for a, a period of time, which made, you know, coming back and just dropping a nuke on them a little bit easier because I hadn't really <laughs> seen them in a while. I don't know. It might sound a little twisted, but I don't no, know. No, I mean, that, you um, can see that. Yeah. Like you're not seeing them every day. It's not like I came in on Tuesday, was grinding. And then Wednesday morning, I said, boss, I'm out. It was <laughs> yeah. like I had two weeks. But um, I mean, and, and like I said, my boss is, is amazing. When I told him he understood. But, and here's the kicker. I wasn't asked to leave for about another whole work day. So everyone else who came in the office in my group, I had to tell them in person. And I had like eight individual breakup talks. It was like, Ugh. it wasn't like pulling teeth, but by the end of it, it was like, can I just get the fuck out of here? Like, please. Um, and so that's tough. I don't know how you, whoever out there is listening. That's about to quit their job tomorrow. I do not know how your company's exit process is, but if it's like that, you know, just don't stay for as long as you can. Um, it just makes it awkward. Cause I had to send one email, literally one email while I was still working in like a, the lame duck period. Um, <laughs> and it just took all of my power to send it knowing that I was literally not going to be a part of the company in 24 hours. Um, yeah. so that's, you know, that's just the shitty part of it all, but overall the people were great. They understood. And it was an easy process. Also pro tip, if you're going to quit your job and it's at all near new, near new year's, wait for it to be new year's cause PTO resets and they have to pay you out for PTO. So <laughs> I took the two weeks off before the new year. Um, and then this, I actually got lucky on cause I didn't even think about that, but it ended up being the case. And then when you do quit, they pay you out for your PTO for 2022. So you're still on the clock off the books, whatever. Um, nice. or on the books off the clock. Um, so yeah. I think that I got lucky there. I got lucky with the timing. I got lucky with how people reacted to it, but I know that's not always the case. Um, definitely, definitely still stressful. Um, Cause when they're trying to catch up about the games that happened this weekend and all you can think about is please just let me sit down and tell you, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is and I'm glad I did it and I'm excited for sure. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a very uh, interesting, that's exactly what I was looking for. A little glimpse yeah. of that whole process and uh, yeah. lots of good ins and outs. Let so, me any last, yeah. Right. Any <laughs> last uh, kind of feelings going into this, this next job? Like do you, uh, I don't know, especially with your perspective, do you feel like you're going to back that up for people and say, yeah, you know, I was doing this and felt like this is my calling or I mean, I what's your I approach bet- to day one? I hope I back it up just for my own sake of like validating my decision to drop everything and move cities. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think regardless of how it works out, and I, I do think it'll work out very well, but I think it's a beneficial exercise and just kind of testing your comfort zone. Um, I think within reason, like you don't just want to quit a job to say, fuck it and move. Mm-hmm. That's just being a head ass. But uh, <laughs> um, I think that the ability to, or not the ability, but um, the event of doing that can be sort of freeing because you know that like the hard parts behind you and you can just focus on the work and, you know, getting accustomed to your new life. And I think that regardless of what happens, I'm better off for it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't really think there's wrong decisions with that kind of stuff, but I hope it works out. And I think that if it does, then maybe it'll provide some, you know, definitely not inspiration, but cause I'm not, I'm not that type. I'm not, I'm not a role model. Charles <laughs> um, but I think it, it could be a good blueprint for um, kind of sending it. For like yeah. A better word. Yeah. Well, Connor, it's a, it's a move that feels like power move, but also one that is well calculated and, should serve you well. So Thank enjoy you. talking Thank about you. it. Thank you to our co-interviewer, Birchie, who uh, Thank you, had, Joseph. had to run. In uh, absentia. Sure. He might still be on the clock on uh, Maybe. on that West Coast time. Yeah, but... He could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Connor. Until next Thank time. Thank you, Clay. Always a pleasure. Yes, absolutely. See you, man.